You are listening to the Vineyard Nordic podcast. We invite you to join us on the exciting journey of following Jesus and bringing the kingdom of God wherever we go. This episode was recorded at the Vineyard Nordic Summer Camp. My name is Rachel Turner. The accent you're hearing is Southern California with 17 years in the UK. Uh, so that's, I'm a mush. Nobody thinks I have an accent except my mother, who is convinced I sound incredibly British. Um, I like to start off with a story, just a sort of get to know you story. So if you're desperate for a comfort break, we call it in, America, in uh, England, if you need to dash out to the toilet, feel free. This is a story that means nothing just to get to know you one. Uh, I, uh, just, yeah, I'm just saying, this is free. Vineyard's all about freedom, I hear, so go for it. Uh, I was uh, recently ministering in Romania. They translated one of my books into Romanian and brought me over, and uh, I was super nervous about going to Romania, because uh, you always want to be like, I'm professional, and I know what I'm doing, and uh, so I was pretending really well that I knew what I was doing for about three days, and uh, when I went there, we stayed in a farmhouse and I don't know if you maybe you are in Romania all the time but in this farmhouse the 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 bathroom the toilet uh, went down really far big step like more than just one step but like an enormous step and so they told me very clearly when I came when you go to the toilet you reach in first and turn the light on and then you step in because it's such a big step that people have fallen before so you know and it's a you know you have to go down pretty far and so I'm like all right fine so on day three I had gotten this down, and I don't know about you, but like once you are comfortable in a place, when you have to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, you don't open your eyes. You do the, my eyes are closed and I can sort of shuffle to where I'm going sort of thing. And so I, I was like on day three. And so I had uh, did the shuffle, three o'clock in the morning. I am 40. And so uh, three o'clock in the morning, I was shuffling to the toilet and uh, turn the light on. It was bright, so my eyes were closed. It was bright anyway, so I did that squishy eye thing, and I went to step down, and I barely felt it at all. And I was like, "This is." I actually thought this three o'clock morning. I'm amazing. So I woo, didn't even feel it. So I'm sort of walking in, walking in. It was, it's a big, long. I mean, it was really deep. So I took you know five or six steps, started to do the you know pull the thing down thing, and as I opened my eyes to you know aim. Um, I opened my eyes to see the senior leader and his wife in bed. In a fully lit room. And I did the only thing that you can do, which is absolutely freeze. And I stood there just staring at them for what I'm sure was 45 minutes, but uh, it's probably only 10 seconds. And then I thought, oh, dude, move, move. I can, I can hear inside, move, move, get out, get out. So I turn around and head towards the wall with a bright light. I mean, it was like sunshine in there. And I'm walking over and all of a sudden I cannot recognize a light switch if it would have won me a million dollars. So now I'm just slamming on the wall. And I start making this noise, this noise. While I'm, and I close the door. I slam the door. And I'm like, I think I got away with that. Like, <laughs> so, 
oh, the story's not over yet. So I go, I go one door down to the actual bathroom. Lo and behold, the step was still there. And uh, do my business, go to sleep. So the morning comes. And everyone's being very polite in the morning. Morning, 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 morning. And I'm thinking, how am I going to find this? So I go for the sleep well? Did you sleep well? Everyone's like, oh, yes, like a rock, yes, yes. And I'm like, oh, great. I think I can stop sweating. And so the pastor's wife goes, I'm sorry, I can't do it. We were awake the whole time. (laughs) Evidently, I turned the light on and they whispered to each other, what's happening? I don't know. I think someone's coming in. Just stay still. She'll go away. While I walked up to their bed and started to take my clothes off. They just stood absolutely silent. Well, I then stared at them for a while and then left. So you'll be happy to know I was not invited back this year, but... <laughs> so thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah. So they put me in a hotel, so you're all safe, just so you know, this time. Uh, right. <laughs> Who I am? What are we talking about? Okay, so who I am? Uh, my name is Rachel Turner. I've been a children's pastor, youth pastor, family life pastor, associate pastor in many different denominations over the past 15 years. And uh, I, I started out having absolutely no interest in children or young people. They were annoying and I didn't know anything about them. So uh, I just sort of pretty much stayed away until... Uh, a couple of youth followed me home from an event. Somehow, I, they thought I was cool. Uh, followed me home, found out where I lived, and showed up the next day at my house asking for cake. And I was like, no, I don't have cake. And they're like, we see bread, that'll be good enough. And walked past me into my house and started talking about life and God and fears and worries. And I absolutely fell in love with these 10 teenage boys uh, who had such deep, not in a weird way. um, (laughs) See you all slowly dialing Child Protective Services. Uh, (laughs) Oops. All right. Uh, And uh, I I was amazed at the complexity of their lives. They were dealing with just, just those 10 were dealing with drugs, violent persecution, domestic abuse, homelessness, um, the death of parents and siblings, humiliation, doubt and disappointments, fear. And all our church was giving them was fun and Bible stories. And I was really struck by, if they're living these lives, then we've got to give them something more than just a fun place to come to on a Thursday night. And I began to have nightmares of uh, the bride of Christ. And I I so cannot wait for that moment where we as a church are presented to Jesus. At the end of times that I had these nightmares of this bride that was had a a whole side of her withered and unexercised and unused. And God began to whisper to me that um, the bride of Christ is not only adults. And I began to be so challenged that if we are fully going to be the bride of Christ, then we've got to be the fullness of who we are. And that is not just adults. If you look back across like the history of the Bible, uh, children and young people were part of everything. Like, think about the exodus. There was no children's exodus that went alongside the main adult exodus. 
You know, they weren't like going out and then there was a whole group of them with like flags on the side and crafts going on. Like everyone just left Israel together and they mixed up saw miracles together and they walked through the Red Sea together uh, in the Jordan. They crossed the Jordan together in the king's period, there was this guy called Jehoshaphat. He was a king. I love his name. If I could get away with naming my child this, I would. Jehoshaphat. Uh, and he, there was this moment in this history of Israel where a whole bunch of tribes came against them. And they were absolutely terrified. And what terrified people do is they all came together. And scripture is very clear that there were babies and children and adults alongside of each other. And they all fell on their face and freaked out fear. And God spoke to them and told them what to do. And he, he, they were together. When Israelites got taken away, the kids got taken away as well. And when they got brought back and they discovered the law in Ezra, Ezra read them out to everybody, including children, and they all wept before God and repented. And then they all went to their houses and built the wall. They all did it together. When Jesus came, the kids were part of the masses on the hills and the sort of running alongside his boats while they're like, Jesus, and the kids were there, part of everything. They were together. When Paul was writing to the churches, I love that he actually talks to the children in scripture because he was writing letters to house churches and he expected that the children would be there together. And one day when I'm in heaven and I am standing before the king and we are all worshiping, I guarantee you there will not be a youth venue. We will all be together. There is something about us together that I see as being a very powerful part of how God has made us to be. And yet the church as a whole globally has begun to lose this together. And I think we're beginning to lose our power. Well, not lose our power. That's an overstatement. I think we are not as strong as we could be because we're not using the fullness of the body that we've been gifted. And I wanted to just talk a, a little bit about that. John 10, 10. I'm going to flip it around a bit, so I'm just going to read it to you, so don't feel like you need to join me. If you want to, you can, but you could just be the smug Bible people if you want to flip. Otherwise, I'll read it to you. John 10, 10. Jesus is talking, and he says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I know you know this already, but there is no age limit to people encountering God. And all of his promises are available for our children. He is close to the brokenhearted. They, he promises his guidance. He promises to guide us into all truth. He promises to turn all things for good. All of those promises are for our children. And I find that if you think about it, if you think about my 10 boys that kept showing up at my house, they lived complex lives and our kids live complex lives. If you think about now, all of the scars, all of the trauma, all of the lies that were spoken over you when you were a child that you were still dealing with now, think what would it have been like if you had been able to access freedom, guidance, God's truth, God's encounter, and have all of that dealt with at the time. 
What would your life be like if when something happened, you had full access to Christ, full access to everything he has for you in that moment? Our kids need God now. Not because one day they'll be the church of the future, but because they are equal children of God alongside us. And he has come that they may have life to the full. And sometimes we don't know what that looks like. And so I wanted to tell you just a few stories because it just sort of builds our faith. I just got contacted by someone who, was, uh, who had this little video of what was happening. She has a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And uh, this three-year-old really is like a deep worshiper. And she was like, listen, listen, they've been doing this for 45 minutes. And this little three-year-old was like, I feel now that God wants us to praise him. So we will now sing, I praise you, God. And then this little one-year-old was like, ah! And then she led them in a song as she was worshiping this little video of her little hands up in the air, this little one-year-old's hands are up in the air. And then she was like, now we, let's invite God to come close. Let's sing now this. And she was on 45 minutes of a worship set for two. And they were deep in worship. When was the last time you spent 45 minutes co-leading your family in worship? And yet this three-year-old, and they were encountering God, my friend with was like, the presence is so heavy right now, I'm just sitting on the floor receiving what God's doing in the room of my kids. That's normal life with God for our children. That's what God, Jesus came to give them the fullness of. There was one uh, five-year-old who I loved. She was, she was sitting there and she was like, <laughs> I was like, what's going on? She's like, God's telling me jokes. And I was like, tell me one of God's jokes. She's like, ask him yourself. And then she just sort of went back. <laughs> and I was like, when was the last time you asked God to tell you a joke? When was the last time you told God a joke? I invite you to do that. I have learned so much about connecting with God. You know, whenever we like ask God a question, it's always like, okay, God, why do bad things happen in the world? Kids have taught me how to ask things like, what's your favorite color? And I was like, I have told kids, you can get to know God. And they actually get to know God. How many times do you wake up in the morning and be like, okay, God, what was the favorite part of your last night? There's something that they deserve the fullness of, a, an open and honest relationship with him. And it looks like them. There was a, an eight-year-old kid who had a a heart defect and he had to keep having his uh, ribs cracked open. It was like his bones wouldn't grow or something. So uh, there's something wrong with his heart and he had to have his bones cracked every year and then reheal. And uh, he came to me and he had this extra bone sticking out and uh, he, was, he wanted to come and meet with God about it. And uh, so we sat and we prayed for him and we were praying for healing and stuff and he just sort of collapsed forward and, uh, and you know, he's having an encounter with God so you sort of leave him to it. And afterwards... He said, what's, what's God been doing? And uh, he said, I'm so scared that my heart will just stop one day because that's basically what the doctors told him. And, uh, and he said, and I just see a blue heart and that's God's heart and it's inside mine and every time God's heart pumps, it makes my heart pump. And that means that my heart just won't stop because God's very heart makes every heartbeat of mine my heart is safe with his heart inside of it. And I was like, yeah. And um, so he got up. It was really awesome. And he went up to sort of go back. And I was like, hey, 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 what about the, you know, extra bone you have? And he pulls up his shirt. The bone's completely gone. And we were like, whoa, right? So 
He's a... His mom shows up and we're like, okay, here's the moment. We're all like gathered at the back. He's going to show her the actual bone that has disappeared from his body. And he runs up to her and he goes, mom, 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 God's heart is blue and is inside of my heart and it's pumping so that I don't have to be worried about my heart. For that kid, connection with God, his voice, his guidance, his truth is more important than whatever healing he chose to do in that moment. Our kids live complex lives. There was a kid I worked with who uh, had suffered severe bullying, really bad bullying, um, to the point where they were considering removing her from school. And so uh, we were praying with her, and she, she wanted, she, she was talking to God about how she felt, and God was talking to her about it. And afterwards, I just felt God prompt me a bit, and I said, um, you know, sometimes, sometimes people bully someone because of something that's going on in their lives. And she goes, I want to know why. And I said, well, feel free to ask. And so God, uh, she's like, okay, God, show me what's going on in this girl's life. And God showed her a picture in her mind, sort of dropped in that place where you can uh, picture your house. Uh, It's not with your eyeballs, but it's inside your head. And God dropped a picture in her mind of this girl having fallen off her bike and was bleeding. And her whole family and friends were standing around pointing and laughing at her and no one was comforting her. And so this child who was about to leave school and change schools because of the absolute physical and verbal abuse that this child has been giving her, opened her eyes and she said, nobody loves this girl and she knows it. She was like, I want to love this girl. And so she spent the next 15 minutes praying over her and asking God to meet her and take care of her and wake her up in the middle of the night and tell her that he loves her. And she's like, God, I want to stay and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let her hurt me. That's, I know that's not what you want, but I'm gonna show her that she can be loved and she's worthy of love. She was nine. Our kids live complex lives and they need God. They need his fullness. And God came to give it to them. It's their birthright. Did you know, I don't know the stats here, but 80% of people who are Christians in the UK became Christians before the age of 18. 40% of Christians who are Christian in the UK became Christians before the age of four. There's a season that God seems to anoint, and it's exciting, and our kids need him now and for the future. But in some ways, that's not what I'm here to talk about. Because I feel like there's something extra here. And I want to read you from 1 Corinthians 12. Um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Did any of you read, learn the books of the Bible by a song? I cannot not sing the song now. My mom taught me my, my books of my Bible when I was, um, when I was four. And it was to the song, the ABCs, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, that's Romans. Um, But it does mean that no matter how big the crowd, I am singing the song to get to it. Right, so I'm going to read to you about the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. Just as a body, the one, one body, has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, I would add child or adult, we were all given the one spirit to drink. And so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. 
Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? If the whole body were adults, that's not in there, I added that. I just want to be clear. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lack it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffer with, with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and every one of you is a part of it. And the challenge that always hits me every time I read that, particularly when I'm speaking with churches who have such a passionate mission is that I believe to much of our children and teenagers, we say, we love you, we value you, we are for you and your relationship with God, but we don't need you. And I think there are things that God has called us to as a body of Christ that we cannot achieve unless we have the fullness of the body of Christ functioning side by side together. Purpose is, is an essential part of us. You know that. I mean, it, without purpose, we feel like, what's the point? I know I'm not being used for anything. You know, the first thing that God gave new people, like he made them, put them there, fresh out of the package, he blessed them, which I'm sure was lovely, and then what is the first thing he said to them? First thing that I said to my kid was like, I love you so much, you're so wonderful, I'm so happy you're here. What did God's first words to the kids that he made was? It was go. He gave them their purpose. The first thing he told them was to go rule over these things and that things and go do this. He gave them their purpose. The first thing he felt that kids needed to hear was their purpose. Our children are powerful children of God who bring skills and giftings and strengths and they are ready. They are ready to live with purpose. There was a, a time where I was in uh, working with something and I was training some of the kids how to do prayer ministry. And, um, and we had someone on stage, this happens sometimes in kids ministry, we were on stage and uh, someone started to feel the spirit in strong ways to the point where we're like, she's going down. So we sort of were like, get off stage. <laughs> uh, so she sort of gets off the stage and we just felt like someone was to pray with her. And we had been training all sorts of kids to pray. And uh, God was like, go get this one kid. And I'm like, there's 800 children in this room. I can't remember. They're all small and blonde. I don't know. And so uh, eventually I found her. I'm like, God wants you to come do this thing. And, um, and I was like, here she is. And she was like, okay. Um, 
And she knew the model, so she leaned forward very gently to this woman who was out in the spirit and was like, what's your name? And uh, we were like, okay, you can skip over that. If they're, if they're out, you can skip over them. What's your name? Uh, and so she, she leaned forward and we were like, oh, maybe she's just new at this. Like, that's okay. And, uh, and I was like, you know, we can get some other support. And she was like, okay. She's like, I feel like I have some words to say. This kid was eight. I'm like, okay. She leans forward. She goes, I feel that there's a shield around you and I feel like there's dark things attacking you, particularly in how you eat. And she just went for it. Over the next 15 minutes, she called out marriage issues, eating disorders, um, where God is, spoke scripture she'd never read before. She's like, and I feel like there's someone talking right now, the Prince of Peace. I think that's Jesus. Is that right? Excellent. He says this. And we were just like... We were just like, move back from the prophetic child. This kid was in charge, was going for it. Can you look up this verse for me? Yes, yes, Philippians. I'm on the Bible. Someone else is on that. This kid was going for it. And, and afterwards, I mean, my friend set up. She was like, that's the best ministry I've ever received, ever. I'm like, yes, that's the best ministry I've ever seen, ever. Uh, and um, afterwards, I was like, how do you feel about that? Like, you know, how did it go, you know? And, uh, and she was like, uh, she started talking, and she had this really st- uh, stammer, you know, where they uh, can't say all of their words, a, st- a stutter. And, uh, and she said, um, I didn't know if I, I, I could do it. And she did this stammer, and I said, tell me about that. She said, I can never say the words I want, but when they're God's words, it just comes out of my heart. And she was like, it was cool. And she was like, um, she was like, I, th- I feel like I was born to do this. I'm like, I would agree. Um, <laughs> she's like, I want to do this all the time. And I'm like, great. And we had a prayer ministry venue. And for the rest of the week, she spent five hours a day in the prayer ministry venue doing prayer ministry for children. She was our prime person. And as I was sending her back to a church, my heart was thinking, are they going to use her? Are they going to connect her into the prayer ministry team? Are they going to listen to what comes out of her? Are they going to disciple her and how to, how to steward that gift and to grow in her wisdom and discernment? Or is she going to go back to the, to the room and just be a kid in church again? Because I will guarantee you she would have been one of the greatest gifts to that church ever. There are things that you are longing for in your church. There are things that you feel called to in your church. And you look at your team of adults and think, we just don't have the skills. And I would challenge you that God will never call you to a mission that he doesn't provide for. You just may be looking in the wrong place. If he's called you to it, he's given you the fullness of the body of Christ to do it. And we've got to start tuning our eyes to the three-year-olds and the five-year-olds and the eight-year-olds and the 12-year-olds and the 15-year-olds and the 18-year-olds and the 99-year-olds because they're really powerful too. Okay, I've been crying a lot. Does anyone have a tissue? Thanks. Thanks. She's on it. Teamwork. Right. And can we give my... Thanks, thanks, thanks. And can we give me like a five-second turn off your mic thing so I can blow my nose? One, two, three. All right. Teamwork. (laughs) Wow, that was smooth. Thank you. I've lost it. What are we talking about here? Ah, yes, that one. Uh, I'm going to tell you more stories because it makes me feel happy. Um, 
there was a kid that I was working with. I got this phone call from a local school. Uh, and we've been trying to get into that local school for ages. And, uh, and just couldn't quite, you know, you could get into doing assembly, but you couldn't really do anything Christian, you know, do morals. And I got this phone call. Do you know anything about people running around saying Jesus heals? And I'm like, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> Tell me more. And uh, I heard the story from them, and then I got the kid. And evidently what had happened is one of the kids uh, it, at church, uh, we had been doing healing, and we had been saying lots of cool stuff. So one of his friends slipped and fell and cut his arm, Muslim kid. And, uh, and so while they sent for a teacher, because the kid was dripping blood, uh, they, in very uh, this kid fashion, was like, gather around, everyone, gather around. <laughs> I've seen Jesus heal. Let's see what he does today. And gathered around a primarily Muslim crowd uh, while he's be healed in the name of Jesus and 22 children watched one big cut completely seal up. At which point, yeah. <laughs> At which point, all of the children, including all the Muslim ones, are running around going, Jesus heals, Jesus heals. And I get a phone call. Uh, but you know what? I never got into that school as an adult trying to run assemblies. Jesus got in. And God had been talking to that church for ages about mission into that, in, into that group. And the adults had tried for years to do ministries and reading them, but they had tried for years to crack it in. And all it took was letting the missional people who were called to that mission field be missional. There are places that you were called that God has already provided a body of Christ for you. And we just need to see it and raise it up. There was one church I was working at that had a lot of new families come in and we were struggling to keep them. And uh, I had this one uh, 12-year-old who was very annoyed at everybody. And uh, he was, and I was like, why are you annoyed? And he was not part of anything. He was just like, we're very unwelcoming to families. I was like, why? And he's like, have you ever walked in as a child? All you see are butts. <laughs> I was like, that's a very interesting insight. He's like, yep, you just walk in, you see lots of fronts. And then a lot of butts. And that's all you see at church. It's not very welcoming. Would you feel welcome? I'm like, well, probably not. Uh, so he came to the worship team and uh, had everyone stand up on chairs so that when you walked in, that was all you saw was just being confronted by body parts. Uh, and he was like, let's try welcoming families a different way. So he would like, he taught everyone how to kneel and how to welcome people and how to connect with what families need. And our church absolutely transformed in our maintaining and keeping families because of how he trained all of us to welcome families. He also was like, what school do you go to? Would plug them into those families, would then remind them to come next week to make sure you catch this family. It was amazing. We lost almost nobody when he took over uh, being a, a very prominent member of the welcome team. We couldn't, we couldn't figure out why we weren't keeping families uh, until a kid told us why and got powerful. <laughs> and another thing is sometimes Sometimes we need members of the body of Christ to get around our defenses. I once lost a baby and um, then had to go do prayer, had to do children's ministry the next week. And uh, I don't know if you've ever lost a child, um, whether a miscarriage or, um, but the last thing you kind of want to do is be around happy families. And uh, it was our first, we were told we couldn't have kids and we lost lost and then we were just like oh. uh, and so we went and we had been sort of like I'm not going to receive prayer ministry because if you crack that sucker open it's going to be ugly so we're just going to like be fine we're fine we're fine and so we went and we had spent the whole week being fine until this kid walked up to us at the end she's like um God said I'm not allowed to go back to my place until I pray for you and 
and we're not going to be like, well, tough, because we're not receiving prayer ministry right now. So um, we were like, sure, sure. I mean, what are the chances God's going to... So we kneel down, and this kid puts her hands on our heads, and she was like, I feel there's a big, big sadness, like you've lost something very important. And me and my husband went, like, like the ugly cry. You know, the prayer ministry where you're just like, and then you have no breathing, where you're just like, and then it's just snot, like dangling, like it was bad. And God's talking to us, and she just stood there. She gave us nothing else that whole time. She just stood there, like, you could feel her almost being like, dur, 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 dur. She, Stood there, really is massive. And we finished. It was so good. We're like, so sorry. She's like, what was God doing? As we sort of explain, the pictures, the thing. And she's like, it's so good, isn't it? And she just sort of skipped away. And I was, I was like, sometimes you need ninja prayers who are not going to be like, oh, they just don't feel like it. That, that kid was going to be bold to do what God told her to do, whatever. And the reason why all of those kids had all of those stories wasn't because they were kids. It was because they were children of the living God called to walk a journey with him and are living out their purpose and calling where they are. And we've got to stop treating kids as this one band of people who are all the same. They are just like us, individuals on a journey with God who are powerful ministers of the kingdom who were called alongside us to do what we as churches are called to do. What if, what if we haven't achieved everything we're called to achieve as churches because we just haven't seen our whole potential yet? God has gifted you with powerful ministers of the kingdom, old people, adults, young ones, teenagers, and it's significant. I... Mm, I'm deciding. I only have 11 minutes left, though. Um, I am going to skip it. Uh, okay, well, sorry, that's, I'm sorry, I'm going to do it quick. I'm going to do it quick. Um, there's this thing that I have been sort of wrestling with. Um, King Saul, we all know King Saul in the Old Testament, guy before David. And uh, King Saul was the first king of Israel. And he was a bit of a numpty in terms of like, he was like, I don't want to be king. And then he was like, I do want to be king. And then... <laughs> When he was king, he was like, everybody just pretend I'm amazing, right? And so he hung on to his power really strong. And so he's like a warning for all of us leaders to like, don't hang on to your power, you know, sort of give it away. Because at the end, the Holy Spirit left him and he didn't even notice. Like that is terrifying to me. Um, but there's this moment where he is the most genius leader of a church that empowers children that I've ever seen before. Because I am fascinated with this. And this is sort of like my, my side challenge here. The story of David and Goliath. The story of David and Goliath from Saul's perspective. Saul was the king at the time. There was a bunch of enemies, Grecian fancy Nancy people, who came over from Greece and were trying to take over the land. They had sweet armor, very nice um, weapons. They were coming over and the Israelites were like, I've got a stick. Like they, they, weren't, they weren't a big competitor of this. And they were coming and King Saul ha had this, this, this entire population that he was terrified of trying to protect, right? And they sent out this big guy who was like, I'm big and scary and send out your best person. And I'll smush him like a bug and then we'll take all of you slaves. And no one was willing to take up that challenge, right? So this kid shows up and, and, and 
I don't even know if I was King Saul how I could be like, hmm, who can I pick to have the responsibility for the safety and the future of every man, woman, child in my power? That is a terrifying place to be. He was scared. And he couldn't find anybody to go out. He didn't want to do it. It was scary. This really arrogant teenager shows up and starts mouthing off to everybody. I love how scripture describes it. It was like, he was like, why hasn't this happened? And why hasn't this happened? And then people would tell him off. And then it says in scripture, then he would go to a different group and say the exact same thing. He was just going around being like, I've got an opinion. And uh, I can't believe that God hasn't done this. And what Saul does is Saul's like, bring to me the opinionated teenager. I want to hear from him which I find amazing, first of all. And then this kid comes and is like, God is on you and God will do this. And Saul's like, you're a kid, you can't fight this thing. And he's like, well, I beg to differ. I have done the lion, I've done the bear, I've done stuff, we've done stuff. And, and King Saul has a responsibility for every man, woman, and child for the entire future. These, they were gonna be enslaved, they were gonna be raped, they were gonna be taken away from their home. And he sees something in a child that speaks of God's truth. And he doesn't just be like, wow, I'm so strengthened by your words. Feel free to head back to the children's ministry while I take that and share that with the adults. Nor did he say, wow, I feel so strengthened myself. I will now go out and fight. He saw the anointing of God come through the faith of someone. And he said, okay, I'm willing to risk everybody on the faith of you who happens to be a child. And I think how many times in my ministry have I been willing to say, I see something in you and back it and see what God does. And I, when I was coming here, I firmly believe there are big, big things that God has called us to. And there are Davids in our midst. There are graces, there are there are people who are called to be the backstops and the prayers and the people who make sure people are welcomed and you have a fuller body of Christ than you possibly can think. But an entire nation was saved when a leader saw God in a child and backed them. And I just want to challenge you to look for it. Not because they're children, not because they're special, but because they are part of the body of Christ that God has given you. And there's something exciting that he has for all of them side by side. I want to say there are no shoulds. It doesn't look like anybody else. It will look different for you. And I feel like sometimes we feel like, okay, we have children. We have to do something now. We have to now implement children's ministry. That'll solve it. Because... But then you think, well, but we have 30 kids. Well, we have 30 people in our whole church. And, you know, if we pair them off and, and, and all of a sudden the practicalities seem overwhelming. Or we feel like it should look like an under fives ministry or it should look like an outreach group. And there is no should. I've been doing this for 15 years. There's no should and there's no perfect. There's only the path and wisdom that God has for you uniquely as a body. And you may come up with something old. You may come up with something brilliantly new. But put down the shoulds. I was raised in a church that had no children's ministry and no youth ministry, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Because when I look back through the history of the world, we were designed to be together. Children's ministry adds something wonderful and great and allows for specific teaching, and I'm a big proponent of children's ministry. Did many, many years. But that's not the center of children's discipleship. The, children, the center of children's discipleship is the ordinary, everyday, boring bits of life that you have with your families at home. 
and a community of people who say, I see you, I love you, and I want to walk alongside of you. That's it. And how it looks like for you guys is completely up to you. I'm doing two seminars this week where I'm going to talk about, as parents, how can we do the stuff in the ordinary every bits of life? And I'm doing another seminar on how we can do the chat and catch and help kids hear God's voice. And if you want to know that, come. But I just want to say to you as a, as a body, you just as you are is what children and young people need. They need us to raise them up. They need us to see them as individuals. They need us to encourage parents to do the stuff in the ordinary, everyday, boring bits of life. They need our stories. I was, um, I, I sort of learned something significant from a guy called George. I want to say he was 82. He was dying of cancer. I was nine. And he was dying of cancer. And he would sit next to me every Sunday and just talk about his life. Because he was cool. He was like a fighter pilot and all sorts of stuff. Uh, not like currently, but like when he was younger. And uh, that would have been amazing. Uh, and he would sit next to me and he'd talk to me. And I remember the day he got diagnosed with cancer. I remember him telling me about how he felt about it and how he thinks God's going to heal him. And if not, then that's okay. And I remember him telling me when the chemo didn't work. And I remember him talking to me about what Bible stories he was reading about um, because he began to think that he wasn't going to get healed and that's okay. And he talked me through all these up and down emotions of he's excited to see Jesus and he's scared for his grandchildren and all of that stuff. And then when he stopped being able to come to church, he asked the senior leader to keep telling stories and particularly the story of the moment when he died because he wanted us all to know it. And so when I got a cancer diagnosis a couple of years ago, the first thought, first thought in my head was I know how to do this because George taught me how to die. His ordinary, everyday, boring bits of life taught me what it's going to look like and what my heart can look like and what is okay and what verses to pull into and to be able to say I'm praying for healing and it, this may kill me and it was awesome and it taught me how to talk to my kid about it. His ordinary everyday boringness, he didn't treat me like a kid. He treated me like a co-journeyer with Christ and let me see a bit into his life. I learned how to be a powerful voice when I was a teenager and I joined my parents' home group and they would sit around and read the Bible and then they would say, what do you think, Rachel? And they'd ask me what I thought and I would give my opinion and they'd say, that's really interesting. I hadn't heard of that before and they'd ask me questions and I learned that I have a powerful voice in community because a bunch of adults asked me and listened to me and were challenged by me and thanked me weeks later saying, you know, that insight you brought, that really changed how I see God. Thank you. You have no idea how powerful you are in the lives of children and young people by just sharing your stories and treating them like co-journeyers in Christ. If you do nothing else than that, do that because you will be totally blessed and you will see huge things happen in your church. There is so much that's even happening this week. There are children who are being released in things, who are experiencing God for the first time. We hear that the Spirit is pouring out in the youth group. Don't waste those people. Don't waste the encounters and the transformation that's happening right now. You are getting fired up. Ministers of the kingdom coming back. How is your church going to be different? How is your call going to be better fulfilled because of who God has given you to be? I just want to pray for us now. You don't have to be anybody else but you. God has already seen five years, ten years into the future, and he has given you the body of Christ. You being you, 
can enable a full bride of Christ to be presented to God, can release children and young people to live their complex lives with God alongside of them, can empower the mission that we've all been called to be. We just took communion and there were children and young people alongside of us. We already know how to celebrate being together. Rather than, seeing the, rather than seeing the age of a child, let's see their individuality. And so right now, I just want to ask God to speak to us now of desires as a church and as an individual that we have that has, that we've been disappointed by. Do you know what I mean? There are things that we feel called to that we haven't seen yet whether it's in the lives of our children and young people, whether it's in the lives of our church. And I'm just going to ask God to remind you of those now. You have been listening to the Vineyard Nordic podcast. For more information, please visit the Vineyard Nordic's website, vineyardnordic.org.